This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. Hello to everyone who has listened in or tuned in on the Lattice Podcast today. I've got another, I guess, cross-training or athlete from a slightly different area specifically to climbing today. I've got Kate Nyman, who is world-weighted pull-up champion in 2019-2022. And I'm going to put some links into the videos of the stuff that she is pulling. It's absolutely incredible, like really inspiring. She was Polish weighted pull-up champion 2018, 19, 20, and 21. Calisthenics freestyle competitor second in the Polish championships. And also very handy on the climbing front when she was doing more of it, bouldering 7C and 7C route climbing. Also is an IT developer and strength and conditioning coach working with climbers. Kind of a pretty good all-rounder, good athlete, really switched on person. And I'm really excited to chat all things strength and conditioning, really, Kate. So welcome to the show. Uh, Hi, Tom. Hi, everyone. Happy to be here. Okay, so I'm going to dive straight into the origins of you as an athlete on the really high strength side of things, because to give context, actually, first off is, can I t- ask what's your record or can you share what your pull-up record is currently and also your body weight of what you're doing this at? Sure. Uh, so uh, my best uh, pull-up, actually, it was chin-up. I know that some people are very sensitive about this. It's chin-up and it was uh, plus 60 uh, kilos. My best uh, pull-up uh, was 50 kilos. I never tried more but uh, because I usually start in competitions when it's allowed to do chin-ups and I can do more with this grip. So never tested my pull with more. And when you did your 60 kg uh, competition performance, when you did the uh, 60 kg, were you at, am I right, 58 kg body weight or was it slightly uh, above? My weight for this competition was 56.5. 56. So ab- above 100% of body weight. Yep. Yes. My first time pulling more than I weight. Yeah. I think this fact itself is really interesting because within the elite and advanced climbing community we all do a lot of pull-up training and we're very aware that this is a really good exercise in terms of those basic pull muscles and the conditioning of the back and the shoulders and arms but it's very very rare for climbers even at the elite end to pull their own body weight or more so you're you're a real elite person even in the elite climbers thank you um it's that's true i i know only one uh one girl who can pull uh also her body weight uh, she's Hanvo from Finland. Uh, she weighs uh, 47 kilos and she pulled 47 kilos. It was in 2019, uh, but she doesn't compete anymore, unfortunately. So where did you start at as an athlete when it came to pull-ups and really performing on it? Were you good to start with before you'd even trained? Did you have a natural genetic advantage like how do you feel about that for you Mm -hmm. Um, I think that uh, I uh, strength comes easy for me 
easily for me. Uh, but when I started climbing, it was like probably 2010, uh, I couldn't do even one pull up. It's like zero pull ups, zero, to complete zero. And uh, I wanted to be a better climber, and everybody told me, you should do pull ups. So I thought, okay, let's let's go for it. And I started training to get my first pull up. It actually came pretty pretty fast because I had a pull up bar in my house, and every time I was passing by, I just jumped on it and did some eccentrics. So it was pretty fast work. Um, but uh, my experience with uh, weighted pull ups came came later. I mean, during uh, some at the beginning while I, while I was climbing, uh, I was doing some weighted pull ups, but it was usually with some little weight. Uh, and uh, somewhere around 2016, I found out that there are actually competitions when you just try to pull as much weight as you can. And I thought, oh, this is cool. I, I, could, I could do it. <laughs> so I started training for my first uh, competition. It was uh, the Polish uh, weighted championships. Uh, so I started training. I, I made myself a plan. I followed it <laughs> and I won. Uh, and this is how it began. <laughs> And I think it's really cool how you shared that when you first started, you couldn't do a pull-up and yep. you, you didn't come from, oh, the first time I tried a pull-up, I could do 10 at body weight. It was really quite easy for me. So you had a low, humble start. I'd be interested to hear about what you mentioned about like eccentric pull-ups initially yep. that you were doing and passing through the door. Can you tell me about some of the early methods and the types of reps or sets that you were typically doing the volume of training you were doing to have those initial stages uh, okay uh, actually when i started climbing i uh, didn't have as much knowledge as i have now uh, but i think that i had pretty good good intuition how to do it so as i told you i had a pull-up bar at home uh, it was uh, between my room and a kitchen and i I really like to eat <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so I visit kitchen uh, multiple times a day. <laughs> and uh, I had a rule that every time when I was passing this bar, I was jumping on it and doing just one, one uh, repetition eccentric, just one. Uh, but it usually was like 10 or 20 a day, probably closer to 10, but it was really daily. I wouldn't probably program it like this today because I think it's a bit too much, but uh, it worked for me probably because I wasn't using any weight because uh, it was probably a bit too easy for me. I could probably have, have some weight on me and get it faster, faster, but uh, I wasn't using any weight, just doing this eccentrics, uh, getting these reps done a day. And like probably it took me a, a month or two to get my first pull up. A month or two. And yep. And then once you started to be able to do body weight pull ups, did you then add in volume and more repetitions and you started to build the load via volume? Or did you immediately say, okay, well, now I want to work on additional one to three percent on top of body weight what was your approach to now build to the next stage 
Okay, it probably it's not really popular, but I am really not into volume, <laughs> but it's only for myself. I know that uh, my body responds better to intensity. So I prefer to just make things harder, but not because it's more repetitions, but because just it's harder, like more more weight or, or the the exercise is harder. So it's it usually is better for me. It's the same. I prefer really short routes when I'm climbing. Like I prefer to do one really, really hard move than like doing fairly quite easy moves. Just the, the volume kills me. <laughs> So I so for me it worked better. But now when I also train some people, coach some people, I know that people respond differently. Some people need more volume, and some people need more intensity. And you have to find it. It's it's not like everything. It's it's not that one thing works for everybody. So for me it was intensity. So I started adding weight and doing like harder things. Like I wanted to get front lever, so I started training for for front lever. Volume wasn't was never good for me. <laughs> it was just killing my gains always. Yeah, it's, it's so good to hear you say that as another strength and conditioning coach trainer because this is something that I try and explain to a lot of people that humans are so individual and they're not like a car engine. You can't just, you know, I don't want to pull out the kind of you know really crass cheap analogies, but you kind of can't always put in the same fuel and you can't run the engine at the same rate for the same output. And it's why it's so interesting when you have lots of approaches that you can take in training and often with any athlete, whether it's yourself or the person you're training, you have to move around initially and explore what response and feedback you have to different methods because everyone is a little different and it's cool to see that. Yes, that's like 100% true. I, uh, one of my uh, athletes also competed on the, I, I mean, actually two of my athletes competed in World Pull-Up Championships. Um, one uh, one uh, guy who took first place, but it was in 2019, he competed in the weight category under 60. Uh, he pulled six, uh, 87 kilos. Wait, yes. wait, wait, wait. Say, that, say that one more time. At what body weight and what? he weighted exactly 60 60 kilos usually he weighted 59 but he because uh, uh, the um, if you were heavier and the uh, the result was exactly the same the heavier person was winning and he wanted to compete under 60 so he gained a bit weight to be exactly 60 kilos <laughs> and uh, he pulled 87 kilos and now he's competing in uh, under 70 kilos and he pulls uh, 93 kilos. Incredible. Yep. And also one of my athletes, uh, a woman in women category, uh, she pulled 45 kilos. Yeah. And I had to give them different approaches because she responds better to volume and he responds better to intensity. So it was like, you have to know your athlete. One of the things that we uh, find with climbers and at Lattice, we do, we do a lot of profiling. We like collecting data and testing athletes. And there's, there's this real, I suppose, a, essentially a gold standard that we often look at for climbers where 
For men, it's around an additional 50% of their body weight. So if they weigh 70 kilos, we want to see them pulling at least 35 kilos for this higher end climbing. And then for women, if someone weighed 50 kilos, it'd be an additional uh, 35%. I can't quite do the maths off the top of my head, but it's 35 versus 50% for men versus women. But we also see that beyond this stage of 50% for men or 30% for women in our sports is that the improvements from the training are much harder one. You have to get more intelligent, more structured, more sophisticated about that training. Would you mind sharing with us some of the um, more advanced tactics that you may use with athletes or yourself to break break those harder barriers? Yes, I completely agree. It's really harder. Uh, I can give example, me, uh, myself as an example. From between 2019 and 2022 championships, I improved seven kilos. So it's like three and a half kilo a year. It's, it's not really that much. And it's sometimes really frustrating because you do your training, you put in the work, but you, it's not shown in the results. So you have to be really patient and believe and trust the process. If you really um, have a well-designed program, you have to believe that it goes somewhere. <laughs> So it's not like you will have improved. Uh, I found out that many people at the beginning have really big gains, like they can add seven, 10 kilos a month even, or in two months. And later when it's, like you said, it gets harder, they get frustrated and they don't, can't uh, get so much improvement in such a short time. Uh, so, uh, First, I start from designing the program and finding the weak spots. I uh, also like collecting data. <laughs> data is, <laughs> I live in data. <laughs> uh, I have many spreadsheets of data from, for everybody and for myself. I also use uh, some uh, some application as some, like I use VMAX Pro. It's uh, for, uh, do you use it maybe? I don't know. Uh, okay, it's... Uh, it uh, measures the speed of the pool. Oh, I mean, it's for anything. It's just, I don't have it here. But it's like a small uh, small thing you attach to, to yourself or to the bar uh, and like accelerometer. Uh, so it shows you how fast uh, you did the rep, uh, measures the distance and everything else. Uh, so I use it for my uh, pull-up training. Uh, and I use it with uh, more advanced athletes because at the beginning, if you tell someone pull fast, it looks pretty funny <laughs> because people can't pull fast. So uh, you have to have a really uh, advanced athlete to do it. Uh, I also uh, use uh, dynamometers to measure uh, isometric strength. So I use this, uh, these things to find the weak spots. So when I have the speed, I can find where the speed was falling down and I see where the weak spot is. So I can work on this part of pull-up. If you know biomechanics, you can find which muscles are uh, probably the (laughs) weakling, sorry. Uh, And we work on this. For example, I never tried biceps. I 
I always think, oh, I have big biceps. I'm strong in biceps. And I never did it. And uh, when I started using this VMAX Pro, I, and I also record a lot. Like I usually record all, all my training <laughs> attempts so I can then late, later watch it and see what went wrong. Uh, I found out that actually it's my biceps, which is uh, blocking my progress. I found out that my lats are pretty strong and they are not giving up, but my uh, arms are giving up. So I start this this year. I uh, added some uh, direct biceps uh, work, and it paid off. So my approach is always find the weakest link and work work on it. But I also always implement the the main uh, the main exercise. Like if I train for pull ups, I usually all I. I never uh, leave pull-ups totally on side. I always do them. It's just a little less volume, uh, plus the work for the weak links. And how do you approach the the antagonist side of the equation, or the the kind of push versus pull? Because, like in this example, as we're talking about elite performance in a pull-up, but I. I mean, I kind of know some of the answer here, but I think the audience would be really interested to hear about how good your dip is, how good is your bench press, how you how you train them and do you train them in sort of contrast or complement to the um, pull training that you're doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure, my pull-ups are my uh, best <laughs> best lift, but uh, my dips are pretty good. I I can do 55 kilos, so it's almost as good as my pull-up. I also, of course, do deadlifts. Uh, I could probably be a bit better at those. I can do 120 kilos in deadlifts, so probably there's uh, some room for improvement. Still, it's pretty good. I hope so. I'm really not sure how much I can bench press. I never tried my one rep max, but it's probably when I did it for like five reps, I could do 60 kilos for five reps. Um, uh, I usually implement a lot of overhead pressing because I think this is the really weak spot for climbers, uh, pressing over your head. It's when I work with climbers, it's usually the weakest part is the, the anterior delt is usually like non-existing. <laughs> uh, so I can uh, press 50 kilos for, for three times. Uh, and uh, to be honest, uh, it's not that I always did like this. Uh, for many years, I was mainly concentrated on just like all the climbers, <laughs> just uh, pulling, pulling, pulling and pulling. Uh, but then I had some injuries, like from uh, overuse, uh, uh, and I started digging more and like, but trying to become to know more about training. Uh, be- before I became a coach, I started digging in, and I found out, okay, maybe there's something in it. You should train your uh, antagonists. <laughs> maybe uh, if you your antagonists are weak. Uh, the strong muscles you have on the back can't express the strength they have because our body is pretty uh, smart and uh, 
doesn't allow us to hurt ourselves. So if you have really strong muscles, maybe uh, they are not able to express all the strength they have because you have a weak point on the other side. And so then that's that was the moment I started training my uh, antagonist muscles. Uh, and I have to say, I had a const I have a really quick progress after that. I mean, it was like, oh wow, that's not only for my health, but it, it also gives me strength because my muscles from where I'm not really sure how to say it in English, but I couldn't use them all earlier. Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it totally, totally makes sense. <laughs> okay, and I think I I would say that mostly I agree with you that, and we take a very similar approach with the athletes that we work with that it's not exactly like antagonist training itself suddenly prevents injuries. Yes, but it's it's more about building athletes who can use all of the muscles which are going to be involved with any particular movement, whether it's directly, so it's a prime mover, or it's something in a coordinated approach of all these muscles working together, um, that sort of intramuscular coordination and any particular movement, especially complex movements, is it enables you to reach that top end. And when you do do things where you're either at full end range or you're absolutely at maximum capacity, is it means that if you stress some of those additional muscles, which don't always get called to maximum capacity when you're at 80%, 90%, is you're less unlikely to stress over their work capacity or over the load that they can handle and they've been trained to endure. And I think that's the, the sort of context or the nuance in this situation, that it's not like a, a headline thing. Do your antagonist suddenly no injury or suddenly you're better it's a broad approach to training which is logical and seeing the body as a whole and all of these muscles working as friends with each other to to make the thing happen especially at the elite level that's exactly what i was going to say what i wanted to say <laughs> well i mean you're, english. you're better at english <laughs> I say your English is uh, very, very good um, and a lot better than my Polish, that's for sure. <laughs> um, another thing that I um, wanted to ask you about was how you approach within either the work that you're doing with climbers specifically or um, with pull-up specialist athletes is this element of specificity. So things which are very specific to the exercise. So actual climbing versus a bicep curl or an actual pull-up versus a dip where we might be emphasizing the triceps and the deltoids, for example. How do you balance or approach that strategy within the athletes or yourself that you work with? Okay, I try to always uh, have individual approach for each person. So uh, I always try to uh, meet with a person and do some um I don't know how it's in English. Wait a second, I will check it. Always, always great when you got. Okay, okay. Functional assessment, like uh, I try to assess the range of motion, uh, find the uh, weak links. Like we do some first, like fun functional assessment. Then I try to make some strength um, tests 
to, to see the uh, structural balance, like uh, main lifts, but also some things for small, uh, smaller groups of muscles, like for rotator cuff or like rhomboids of, or so. Uh, and then when I identify what is their problem, then I uh, make them program. So I always try to have individual approach for everybody. And uh, I think it's, it depends on the person because some people uh, are really strong in pulling. I mean, their back is like amazing. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have some uh, guys who come and they can pull like 50, 60 kilos and it's really good result but they can't press 30 kilos over their head. And it's like, oh, something went wrong here. Because if you weigh 60 kilos, can't pull, can pull 60 kilos, it's like 120 you can pull and you barely can press 30 kilos over your head. Oh, it's not good. So then we work on this part because um, for sure climbers always will have stronger backs, like, because we pull, but the difference between front and back can't be such so big. I mean, it's it's too much. Like, like you, like we talked earlier. Uh, so for some people, it's this. But sometimes when I have uh, climbers who who just start their journey with climbing, they need to they need to do pull ups. Sometimes I I don't program I don't I don't even program pull ups for climbers because they already have such powerful bags and everything else needs to be worked on and they usually don't want to spend too much time on strength training because they want to climb so i have to prioritize i have to find what to work on first <laughs> uh, so i sometimes don't give them pull-ups in their training but when i have some uh, beginner climbers they usually can't do pull-ups and they need to learn how to do pull-ups so they can develop more strength. So I program them, them pull-ups. Uh, then uh, if we're talking about specific uh, specific uh, exercises and uh, more general exercises, uh, I don't plan any climbing training. I leave it to climbing coaches because this is not what I'm good at. I'm good at building strength. <laughs> uh, so I focus on this part. I sometimes uh, cooperate with uh, climbing coaches, but uh, everything depends how much time uh, athlete can spare on strength training, because usually these are not people who are professional athletes. So they don't get paid for being athletes. They have work, family, other stuff to do, like they study or something. They have other commitments. So they, they can't uh, train as I would like them to train. <laughs> Uh, so I always adjust the training to the person. So if they tell me, okay, I can, very often I have like people, people come to me and they say, oh, I can tra train strength. I can do strength training five times a week. Okay. I say, really? I say, yes, sure. I say, okay. Uh, okay. Let's do it. Uh, and then it, it goes like they do two or three trainings a week. I say, you see, I told you, you, you are not an athlete. <laughs> you, you're, I mean, you're not a pro athlete. You're an athlete, but you're not a pro athlete. So you have to, um, 
every training program which you can follow and be consistent with will will be better than the best training plan I will write you and it will only be for showing like you can oh I have this training plan but I'm not following it it's perfect but I am not doing it <laughs> so uh, I try to always adjust the training plan to the person so how much time they actually can train how well they uh, the, the regeneration is so how what is the daily routine what work they have I try to take as many things under consideration as I can I know I know I'm not Probably it's not perfect, but I try to think, okay, so they uh, they have sitting job. So it's different if someone works uh, on construction plane, yeah? They, if they have to wake up at 3 a.m., I have one person who have to wake, has to wake up at 3 a.m. So they are probably not regenerating as good as someone who can sleep until 10 a.m. So I try to take everything under consideration and then develop the plan for them. Uh, and between general and specific training, it's, it just depends if they really need specific training like biceps curls, because some people do need it. Some people, usually climbers have really weak triceps, usually, and probably not everybody, but usually they have pretty weak triceps. So I pretty often give exercises for triceps because I think it's uh, limiting them. Yeah. But biceps... If these are uh, advanced climbers, they usually have pretty strong biceps. They usually like to climb in roofs, <laughs> so have pretty strong biceps, and they don't need as much specific work. Uh, I think I give more biceps training for the women and less uh, for men, but it's, uh, it's because... Uh, girls usually come on their earlier stage to me like they are the begin the beginner climbers they usually i don't know why is that but uh, if i look at my athletes i have more men who are advanced climbers and more girls who are uh, beginner climbers yeah and talking of something which is kind of relatively specific as well is i i understand that you're uh, a vegan plant-based athlete yes. and we we've seen quite a few or an increase in the clients that we work and athletes that we work with and also just the the general um audience or uh sort of follower base that we interact with on our social channels has grown um particularly on um the vegan side um of dietary choice or or strategy and i'm interested what well, we put out some content which kind of gives people um, things to look out for and um, items to be aware of and areas where they might just need to pay a bit more attention to their diet in terms of getting certain um, macro or micronutrients. I'd be interested to hear about what that has been like for you as an athlete and, you know, a very strength-based, heavily strength-based performance here. Um have you had to really pay attention to certain things? Has there been stuff that some stuff that's been surprisingly tough or that you haven't been able to overcome? How, how's that looked for you? Uh, okay, I, I'm maybe not a good example here. Uh, uh, I'm vegan like three or four years. Uh, I'm maybe four. I'm not really sure how, how much years it was, but I was a vegetarian earlier for many years. Uh, 
so it was just like uh, transition from being vegetarian to, to vegan. So I just uh, stopped eating eggs and, and uh, dairy products. So it wasn't that hard. Uh, and I didn't quit them like uh, overnight. Like I just decided, okay, I think I'm ready for being vegan because I actually I'm vegan for animals, to be clear. Uh, and I decided that I'm ready to, to give up these products. And I started to start from not buying them and then to, to quitting them all. Uh, I pay attention to, to getting some B12 vitamin because it's uh, not possible to get it from uh, plant plants so i i um, take care about that i also pay attention to calcium because it's uh, harder to get it from uh, plant-based uh, diet so i try to uh, have it <laughs> it it is really important when you produce atp <laughs> um, so so i pay attention for it uh before before the competition like uh, the competition which was in january uh, i worked with a dietitian because my diet is really bad i i like sweets <laughs> pasta pizza and so many other things i can eat all day <laughs> so i'm not a really good example because uh um i really like food <laughs> I eat a lot of things and uh, I want, if I want, I usually, when I have a goal, like competing, for example, this uh, world championships or uh, earlier when I was uh, climbing more in, in the rocks, I, I was having like my really important trip over the year. I was preparing for it. So then I was for three or four months, I was following strict diet. Like I usually uh, reached out to someone who knows better than me. Uh, so like i think people should uh, use uh, coaches to train better and i wanted to eat better so i reached out to a dietitian and they helped me to uh, clean up my diet and uh, get me all the things i needed and i think it's i'm not an expert on diet so i like to uh, take advice from experts uh, so i had a dietitian working with me before the competition and earlier also uh, but after the competition i usually loosen up and eat all the things i love <laughs> like donuts uh, so i'm probably not a very good example because i know uh, the climbers like to perform all the all, all year long and this is a problem also in training because uh they like to perform every time they go on to the gym. They have to perform, not train. They need to perform. This is really a problem <laughs> for coaches. Uh, and I think it's the same with the diet. If you want to perform all year long, you have to you know, take care of your diet all year long. Uh, and I like to have these moments when I can just do whatever I want and eat whatever I want and train with additional weight on me. <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question, but uh, but this is the reality. I'm just speaking how it is. I'm not I'm not that good at counting everything. I try to make sure I ate enough proteins. Uh, I really like carbohydrates. It's like I'm in love with carbohydrates. I need to eat them all day long, <laughs> uh, and I think they are good for building strength because they are the fuel. What? And men, yes. 
say, I, I think your your answer when you ask whether you're not sure if your answer is good or right or is that it's actually it's I always think it's actually very good to have very honest, realistic answers from good athletes about their food and their diet, which doesn't always portray some perfect model or I eat like like an Olympian. Yeah, I don't I don't eat like an Olympian. I don't uh, I don't really uh, have the same food every day. Okay, sometimes I have like when I eat donuts every day for a week, it happens or pizza. Uh, I think I also don't eat very bad. It's not um, I don't eat so so much of processed foods, but it's because this is my personal choices because I like the food I eat. I try always to find the food I like to eat and i just ate it <laughs> but when i uh, when i'm preparing for a competition then i try to uh, zip it and uh, follow the diet for for this period of time i think it's it would be really hard for me to follow strict diet for 12 months but if i know okay i can do whatever i want for three months and then three months i stick up to, to this plan and it's okay for me yeah. it works for me i think my diet is not that bad so because i can make progress still but i usually gain like two to three kilos when i'm not following the diet but it's pretty easy to uh, lose these kilos during uh, this period of following the diet and ha- kind of jumping slightly sideways from here um but again um i suppose like um a vegan diet can be I'm not say going to say contentious but it's a it's a quickly changing area within sport and we're seeing it certainly within climbing um and i suspect the same occurs in calisthenics as well is the image and culture of strong female athletes and strong looking female athletes in the public eye and being very open around it, having discussions around um, body type, body shape. Has this been a, an important discussion or communication or dialogue within your own athletic journey? Do you see a change in your own sport? Do you think it's an important thing? Uh, for sure, I see more and more people uh, becoming vegan or, or vegetarian. Uh, and it's, it's really like it, it, it makes me happy <laughs> because I'm vegan for animals. <laughs> uh, I never really really paid uh, too much attention what other people are doing because uh, it was my, my personal decision to stop eating uh, foods uh, like dairy and and, uh, and eggs. Uh, and I never followed anybody in, in this. I'm, I think it's it should always be personal decision. But I have, and I always when I'm um, when I'm meeting someone new, I never start. Oh, hi, I'm Kate. I'm vegan. <laughs> uh, I usually first let them know me, and uh, it comes up somewhere naturally when we go to to the restaurant or order some food or anything else but i don't usually start with this information so they don't make any assumptions about me so i can first uh, show off my biceps <laughs> and later say hey i'm also vegan 
and uh, I found it is a good approach because uh, I know some people who start from saying, oh, I'm vegan. And it makes like a barrier between if they are not talking to another vegan person, it makes builds some barrier. And if I'm just starting from, hi, I'm Kate, I do pull-ups and stuff and they get to know me and then they uh, find out that I'm vegan. It's usually, oh, it's natural. Oh, she's, she's vegan, really? Not possible. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, uh, that's usual, but uh, they already know me and know what I can do. So no assumptions about, about me because I'm vegan. Uh, and I found out that it also motivated some people to change the, their diet because they didn't want to go vegan because they thought uh, they want to be strong because you can't be strong if you're vegan, of course. Uh, so some people saw me, like some, some of my trainees, uh, knew that I was vegan and also started a vegan diet and I are making great progress with it. Uh, so uh, I think it's changing like people um, at the beginning it was, oh, she's vegan. It's, that's, that's just strange because she, she will lose all her strength. And uh, this, this, that was, this was at the beginning at my first championships. It was, oh no, she went vegan. She won't win anything, any, uh, never. <laughs> And later is, oh, she's vegan and she's winning again. Uh, so people just uh, change their mind. And it's not like uh, I'm some, someone who makes stupid, who made stupid decision about changing uh, diet and then losing everything uh, I build up, build up uh, until this moment. It actually f looks like I changed my diet and it... Uh, haven't changed anything about building my strength. Like, I think you can build strength on any reasonable diet. Like, I don't think vegan diet is better for building strength and or uh, eating meat is better for building strength. It's less, like, if you have reasonable diet, you can build strength. Mm -hmm. So if you eat, eat enough, don't eat too much. <laughs> have uh, all the vitamins, minerals, and so on. It doesn't matter what kind of diet it is. This is my approach. Uh, about um, about this uh, changes in the community, I think more people are uh, trying vegan diets or, di or trying um, to eat at least one meal a week without meat. And I think it's really cool. It's like this flexitarian, uh, approach. I think it's uh, really cool for me that people are trying to to test if they can do it. It's, it's cool. It's really, um, I also enjoy that uh, many climbing gyms have some vegan options <laughs> on their sites. It's really cool. Uh, in Warsaw, we have, um, we have some climbing gyms where the owners are vegetarian or vegan, so it really helps. <laughs> Um, but I think it's still, uh, I think the climbers are uh, more, um, I don't know how modern in this, uh, in this, because there are pretty, uh, pretty big representation of uh, 
plant-based athletes around climbers. And it, in, for example, in street lifting, like uh, dips and pull-ups, it's not so common. I know a few people who are, but not, not as uh, many people as in climbing. Uh, it's maybe because uh, it's like more conservative. I don't know. I sometimes find it like this, that this more conservative uh, uh, group and they they are not ready for the change. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's very interesting to, to, to see the changes and, um, and I think always changes is good for sports and for athletes to reflect on different approaches and it keeps people open-minded, which is, which is good because open-mindedness generally brings about change for the positive um, as opposed to closed-mindedness, um, even if people are thinking they're taking the right approach. Um, my last question to you, and uh, it's, a, it's an important one always for any athlete, is what, what lies ahead for you this, this coming year in 2022? Because, you know, you've had a great successful career already. You've won a lot of medals. You're, you're, you're in a very, very similar age category to me. I think there's just two years between us. You're 40 and I'm 42. So... When for the next ten years? Oh, I uh, many, many people ask me this question after the championships, and I actually don't know yet. <laughs> um, I had um, I had surgery last year uh, for my ankle, uh, and I was uh, doing a lot of uh, stuff to make it work again. <laughs> and I want to climb more this year for sure. This. Uh, Actually, I, to be honest, uh, after the championships, I, I haven't done any pull-ups training. <laughs> so it was like, it's like three weeks since, since the championships. And I, I did some muscle-ups just from, for fun, but no pull-ups training. Uh, but I was visiting climbing gym very often, and I want to uh, do some more climbing this year. Uh, but I'm also thinking about competing again in the Polish uh, pull-ups championships, and maybe but only maybe again in world pull-ups championships we'll see uh and i i want if if my uncle will be uh good enough because i'm still a bit scared about landing on it i want to go to uh, magic woods and do some cool boulders there yeah, cool well they um they're, they're, they're great goals and it's nice to see someone else um uh, 40 still pushing hard and still seeing their best I mean I, I frequently tell people about this that I'm I still feel like I'm getting better as an athlete maybe some things don't come as easy now and I have to work a lot harder and I have to be very careful about managing injury but the overall package just because sport is complex and there's lots of things that go into it as long as you're intelligent about your approach and you have a good strategy I think there's always a lot more to come out of the system for many more years than you you think with, with sport. Totally agree. I, I also, uh, I think uh, I have one more thing to, thing to say about training, uh, my personal approach to myself, uh, uh, aside of the intensity, is uh, I like to do uh, minimal effective, effective volume. Like this is the best approach for me. And I think it's, it's pretty good for people our age because it helps with uh, 
regeneration. So you do just as much as is needed and not more. And uh, many younger athletes, athletes uh, if they are not tired, then the training wasn't good. And this is, you, have, you don't have to be tired to have really good training. And uh, I try to follow that, that training doesn't have to be tiring. It has to produce effect. So uh, I hope I will have progress for at least next 10 years. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. Um, and I know we've done a few posts on that in the past about minimal effective training. Um, so, yeah, thank you for reminding us, us of that. And thank you for your time to do this interview today. It's been such a pleasure talking to you about all of your methods and your experience with it and it's nice talking to someone who has the um, approach of being both an athlete themselves but also a coach and a strength and conditioning specialist because you have a nice broad and experienced view and I'm sure people listening would like to kind of find out more about you and um, follow what you're up to and uh, see a bit more kind of insight into your um, athletic career and expertise where can they find you best on the internet or social channels or, or anything yeah. like that uh, you can find me on instagram my uh, instagram account is too old to train like two in the digit old to train uh, and i also, also have my uh, web page it's the same too old to train dot pl mm, so these are my main channels i'm also on facebook but uh, mostly instagram and and this page uh, working for me Oh, well, we'll put the links um, for everyone in show notes and um, on our Instagram posts and everything like that. And yeah, just thanks once again. It's been so cool talking to you. And um, I hope you have a good rest of the day and a good competition season in 2022. And I'm sure we'll um, we'll catch up at some point again. Thank you. Then. It was really pleasure talking to you.